0: Welcome to the podcast Arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar Peoples Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching.
1: But what that told me was that indeed, not only are we in a season of lifting, is that there is a posture that we need to assume in this time in order for God to do that which he wants to do in our lives. So his topic in, during the first service was the right posture for supernatural lifting. And so since that's my topic, I'll just say this is part two. So I'm gonna continue the conversation that has started during the first service. And if you weren't here in the first service, you can please make sure you watch that online so that you capture all that God has for us today. So he started, and the posture he talked about in the first service was humility. And the Bible says that we should humble ourselves so that God would do what would lift us, that God resists the proud, but He would, He gives grace to the humble. So in order for us to be lifted, there has to be a posture of what humility so that God can lift us. In this service, I'm going to talk about a different posture. I'm going to talk about a different posture. A couple months ago, we were having um, a teacher's retreat in, in church here, and we were praying specifically for an encounter. And God showed up, And I believe so many of us had encounters, but I had one, and it wasn't what I expected. Um, I had this, I woke up with this impression and this word from the Holy Spirit that morning, and I knew that it was different, and all he said was, change your perspective. And I was like, you know, when, you, when, you, when they talk about encountering God, right, that's not what comes to my mind, is not change your perspective. It's like, you know, something will happen, you know, or the word of God will be revealed in a way, or God will come and tell you something to come, but not change your perspective. But I took that word and I started meditating and asking God, How? What is the perspective you want me to change? And from that time till now, the Holy Spirit had been taking me on this journey to align my perspective to God's. And today we'll talk about another posture for lifting. So we're talking about the right posture for lifting. And we've talked about humility in the first service. In this second service, we're going to see a new posture. But before I talk about that, there is a prerequisite for assuming this posture. So there's something you have to do first before you assume this posture. Can we turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8? Romans 8 verse 6. So before we assume this posture, God says, I want you to change your perspective. Romans 8 verse 6. Romans 8 verse 6 says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Pastor started this conversation a couple weeks ago when we're talking about what it means to be carnally minded and spiritually minded. And we had several wonderful definitions of being carnally minded and being spiritually minded. And he was telling us that there is a posture of faith to allow the peace of God to come into our lives when we're talking about peace. But today we're talking about lifting. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When the Holy Spirit started teaching me about changing my perspective, this was the verse that he gave. He said there is a perspective that you have in life that will make you experience death. Now, death is not just, you know, a natural death. Death is anything that does not have the life of God in it. So an unbeliever is is seen to be spiritually dead, not, but they are alive. They are spiritually dead. Why? Because they don't yet have what? The life of God. So death is anything that does not have the life of God. To be spiritually minded, so there is... We have two perspectives from this scripture. There's a carnal perspective to life and there is a spiritual perspective to life. Now, the Bible says your spiritual perspective to be spiritually minded makes you assume a posture that allows the life of God and the peace of God to find expression through your life. So I can be a Christian a praying Christian, a tongue talking Christian. But if I am carnally minded, it means that my experiences in life will not be any different from an unbeliever. Because what carnality, being carnally minded will always lead towards to death. Hallelujah. So one of the things that God wants us to do today as we talk about lifting, is that he wants us to change our perspective. Now, when we look through scripture and look at the lives of people that God has lifted, one of the things he does when he wants to lift a man is he'll come to you and he'll either give you a word or he'll give you an image. He'll give you something. Something to change your perspective. So God comes to Mary, He gives her a word. He says, Mary, you're what? Highly favored. And I'm bringing my son into the earth, and he's going to come through you. And in the next verse, we see that Mary quickly changed her perspective she was not just Mary the teenager she started rejoicing and seeing herself in the light that God has called her she started rejoicing and said blessed I am I'm favored because what I am now the mother of my Lord perspective changed what changed it the word of God God comes to Gideon and he says to Gideon, thou what, thou mighty man of valor. He wanted to lift them out of the bondage they were in, but he needed someone that will partner with him in terms of their mindset so that they can give permission to him to walk through them to bring the lifting that he has designed for them in that season. And so that's what he wants to do for us today. So God wants us to change our perspective. And it's my prayer that even as we listen to his word, that the Holy Spirit will begin to highlight in our lives like he did in mine. The mindsets that need to to be broken. The strongholds that must be pulled down. The wrong perspective that has been hindering him from moving in our lives. Now let's take a look at the life of Abraham. Let's look at Genesis 15 verse 4 to 6. Genesis 15, I'll read from verse 4 to 6. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine hair, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your hair. Next verse, please. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heaven. And tell the stars. If we could have it in either NLT or New King James, that would be good. Thank you. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many you will have. Now, Abraham was talking to God about having children, and God said to him, look, and God, come outside, look up, look at the stars, that's how much descendants you're going to have. Next verse. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he was, it was counted to him for what? For Righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. God wants to lift Abraham. He doesn't just come and swing him from where he is to where he wants him to be. God wants to lift Abraham but he comes and he tells him what he wants to do. He said, Abraham I am making you a father of many nations. This is how, come out and look outside. This is how your descendants will be. Abraham, change your perspective. You're no longer Abraham, the childless man. You are now a father of many nations. I want you to walk in that reality. I want you to see yourself as the father of many nations, not Abraham, the one without a child. Change your perspective. Romans chapter 4, I'll read verse 18 to 21. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 21, if we have that. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he will become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Verse 19. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Keep this verse for me. Now, God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to see yourself as the father of many nations. But here there is another perspective that Abraham could have. Abraham is 100 years old. If you're 100 in the natural, you're past the age of childbearing. Abraham's body is as good as dead. It's a fact. Sarah's womb is dead. It's a fact. Now, if Abraham chooses... To see himself that, you know what, I'm a hundred years old. Father, I thank you for this, your promise, but I don't think it's possible because look at it. My body's dead. My wife's body's dead. If we look at it, he would be right. Those were the facts. But that's being carnally minded. A carnal mindset is not necessarily sinful. It's just that a carnal mindset means that you agree with the natural over what God has said. So I can be a believer, and it doesn't mean that I'm sinning when I'm carnally minded. It just means that I have chosen to agree with my circumstances, to agree with the natural over what God has said. So if Abraham has said, well, I'm hundred, it's not possible. Lord, I thank you for what you want to do, but I don't think it's happening. Carnally minded. What would have happened? He would never have been. So even though God had destined him to be lifted, he would never have been lifted if he was thinking from a natural standpoint. So I want you to think about that. What has God promised you? That thing that seems so impossible, what has God promised you? Do you see yourself in the light of what God has promised you? Or do you see yourself in the light of your natural circumstances? Exodus, Exodus chapter 6. Exodus 6, where I'm going to read from verse 6 to 8. Abraham is our first example. The Bible says Abraham was not weak in faith; he considered not. He chose not to look at all of the parameters. He chose not to be carnally minded. He chose to be spiritually minded. He stood in faith believing that in spite of all of this, God will do what he says he will what he'll do. And did God do it? He did. God did it. So Abraham gave God permission in his life. To lift him. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Next verse. I will claim you as my own people, I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Verse 8. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Now this is God's promise to Israel. God was bringing them out, and this is the word that he gave to them. He promised them this. Now God brings them out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. They are about to get into the promised land. Let's go to Numbers chapter 1. Numbers 13, verse 1. Sorry. Numbers 13. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Cana. The land I'm given to the Israelites, send one leader from each of the twelve twelve ancestral tribes. And so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. So it was God's idea that twelve spies should be sent why would god want that to happen god always wants us to have a picture of where he's taking us to he wants us to have an idea of what he's doing so that we can partner with him that's the way he has designed us to function on earth god cannot just invade your life you need to give him permission and so he says every time you choose to think my thoughts every time you choose to align with the way that i see you you give me permission to operate in your life you give me permission to lift you now god comes to them he has given them these great promises he now says go and take a look at the land now the 12 spies went to the land they took a look at the land they came back with one common report they all agreed the land was worth good The Bible says that when God shows up, he always does what exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think or imagine. He will give you what will blow your mind all times. The land was good, but there was a problem. There were giants in the land. And some people came back and said, well, the land is good. There are giants in the land. Let us look at verse 33. Very interesting scripture. Numbers 13 verse 33. There were giants in the land as they saw there when they got there. And they said, We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. I read for you in Exodus God says, I will redeem you. They didn't see themselves as the redeemed. God said to them, I will take you to be my people. They did not see themselves as children of God. God says, I am bringing you into the land I have given you. They couldn't even see themselves as landlords. But then they went to the land. They saw giants. So they saw themselves not in respect to what God has said. They saw themselves in respect to what was on the land, the giants. And they saw themselves as what? Grasshoppers. In the first service, Pastor Aiti was teaching us that it is a form of pride. When we see ourselves less than what God has called us to be. So God has called you the anointed, but you refuse to rise up to walk in it because you think you don't qualify for that. And the truth is that he can't lift you that way. You need to come into alignment and think in the way that gives him permission to lift you. And so here we see the story, you know, it's easy to read about these things and say, ah, why did these people do this? They didn't just try. But most times we're doing the same thing in our lives. God has called us something else. He has called us strong, but we remain weak. He has called us conquerors, but we still function with a mindset that says we're defeated. And so I'm asking you this question today. What has God called you? And do you walk in the reality of what he has called you? What did God tell you when you were coming into 2022? Are you still standing on that promise or have you quit because you haven't seen it manifested? And these people did not enter the land. They did not go in and possess it because they did not see. They saw from a what? A carnal perspective. A carnal mind would always lead to what? To death. To be spiritually minded is what? life and peace to be spiritually minded. That's the posture of mind that gives God permission to invade your life. That's the posture in first Timothy one, verse one, first Timothy chapter one, verse one quickly. The Bible says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you know the story of Paul, you know that he killed Christians. If you know the story of Paul, you know that he went and got authorization to capture Christians. The Bible even records that he was part of those that were there when Stephen was killed. Paul committed so much atrocity as an unbeliever, but then he encountered Christ and he became saved and God commissioned him and said, you will speak to kings, you will speak to to the Gentiles, you will speak to the nations of Israel and made him an apostle. And I'm thinking, what did he think of himself? Because some of us would have said, Lord, thank you for calling me to be an apostle, but you see, I am so bad. Let me just be a brother and sit at the back. That Paul had all of the reasons to disqualify himself from his call. When he became a Christian, people still ran away from him. The believers were doubting that he was saved. That's how bad it was. But Paul did not conform to that. He still chose to stand to be who God has called him to be. When he writes his letters, he didn't say Paul, the one who was persecuting the church. No, that man is dead because the Bible says all things have passed away. Behold, all things are what new. That person has died. I am Paul, the apostle. He walked in the reality of who God has called him. When Jesus came to earth, the Bible says God, when, when Jesus was being baptized and God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When the devil came to attack him, he said, if, if what? If you be the son of God, attacking his identity. Did you know that one of, the things, one of the things the Jews fought about the most with Jesus was that he called himself the son of God, making himself equal with what? With God you're not God. We can accept you as a prophet, but we can't accept you as God. Even Jesus refused to conform to the mindsets of people concerning him. He says, I am the son of God because that's what my father called me. Who has God called you? Who has your father called you? And are you functioning in that? Or have we allowed our past mistakes and our weaknesses to define our lives? And I'm not... Perfect. I'm not there. Because I remember having the same conversation with Pastor a while back where he was challenging me to walk in that which God has called me. And today I have the privilege, the opportunity to do the same. To challenge you to say what has God called you to be. And are you functioning in that? So the very first perspective that God wants us to change is to change the perspective of who you are. And as I wrap up, I'm going to read... Oh, I do have 15 minutes. I'm not wrapping up yet. Okay, number two. We're going to change the perspective of how we see our situations. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 to 10. 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 to 10. Backstory is Goliath um, had come against 1 Samuel. Goliath came against the children of Israel, and we want to look at that story. Goliath's students shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm a Philistine. Thank you. I'm a Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. The next verse. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. And if I kill him, you will be our slaves. The next verse. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Now let's skip to verse 16. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the people of Israel the Israelite army. So for 40 days, he came out and was tormenting this people, shouting, bring a man if you can to come and fight me, tormenting them. And then the Bible says David comes on sin. Let's go to verse 23. David comes on the sin. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the first and champion from God came came out from the Philistines. Then David heard him shout his usual tone to the armies of Israel. The next verse. And as soon as the Israelite armies saw him, he began, they began to run away in flight. Let's just skip to verse 26. Verse 26, and I want, I want you to project that in... Um, King James Version, verse 26 in King James Version. So David was sent to go give his brother stuff and then he went there and he heard what was going on. He heard Goliath tormenting the armies and nobody was fighting. And David spake to the men that stood by saying, what shall be done for the man that kills this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Believing God. I want us to pay attention to the very last phrase. David comes to the scene, sees this guy, he's thinking about rewards, and then he says something very interesting. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of God? My question is what has circumcision got to do with the battle? What has circumcision got to do with this battle? Now, if you think back, we mentioned Abraham. If you think back to when God came to Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham, the sign of that covenant was what? Circumcision. So, God says, circumcise all the male. This is the covenant I will make with you. I will be your God. And he gave them all of these promises They were under a covenant with God. And the symbol for that covenant was what? Circumcision. Now David comes to the scene. He sees a giant tormenting the soldiers. And the first thing he recognizes is that this guy is not under covenant. He says, who is this on second side? So David comes in, in the awareness that I am a child of God, a child under covenant. I am protected by a supreme God. Who are you? Who are you to stand against me? Do you know the covenant I carry? And then David goes and defeats Goliath. Why? Perspective. The other thing I was thinking about is every soldier, every man in Israel was circumcised. So they weren't not, they were aware of circumcision. But it's a different thing to know something, to be aware of it, and to function in the consciousness of that. David was spiritually minded. The, the, the soldiers and Saul and everybody, they were responding just like natural men, in the natural. What ammunitions do we have? Can we go against this man? It was in the natural. But guess what? The lifting that God wanted could not come through them because they were carnally minded. So today God is saying, I want to lift you. It is coming. This is the time. This is the season. But can you align your perspective? Can you see the circumstance the way that I see it? He comes to the scene with a different perspective. He says, who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine. And then Saul was scared. Saul was trying to convince him, maybe take these armors, take all of these things. And David was giving Saul his testimony. He says, the lion came to eat the sheep. I killed the lion. The bear came. I killed the bear. I kept asking myself a question. How do you see yourself that you run towards a lion? Because, you know, when you see an ant, you'll be like, relative to my size, this ant is small. I can go towards it and I can kill it. But I I don't think I've renewed my mind to the extent where if I see a lion, I, I won't. So I was asking myself the question, how did David see himself? No wonder in our our scripture for today, our key verse for the month, the Bible says, David says, for thou art a shield for me my glory, and the lifter up of my hand. So that thing was not just theory for him. God indeed was his shield. That David had so renewed his mind that he knew that whatever came against him, whether it's a lion, a bear, or Goliath, he says, God lifts my head above you so I can stand against you and know that I would have victory because God is my shield. You can't kill me. Perspective. So today, God says, I want you to change your perspective. First, change how you see yourself. Second, I want you to change how you see that situation. There's a situation that maybe has been confronting you like Goliath was doing to the children of Israel. Morning and evening, questioning you, where's your God? Asking you, where's your God? God says, I'm here to lift you. All I need you to do is align your perspective. It's time for the lifting, but it won't come through a carnal mind. It won't come through a carnal perspective. Now, what's the posture as I wrap up? What's the posture that God wants us to take? God wants us to stand. I believe that in this season, God wants us to stand. In order for David, for Israel to be lifted from that Goliath, David had to stand against Goliath. And allow God to lift them. In order for the children of Israel to possess that land. They had to stand against the giants. Now the reason there was a prerequisite. Before we talked about the posture of standing. Is that grasshoppers don't kill giants. As long as you see yourself as a grasshopper. Forget the battle. You're not going to win. As long as you see yourself as a mere man. You cannot go up against Goliath. Because we act we take steps. We take our actions, our, our product of our perspective. So you can never go against a giant if you see yourself as a grasshopper. So God wants you to stand against whatever it is that has been coming against you. But he said before you can even assume that posture, you must do what? Change your perspective. Change your perspective. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. God wants us to stand. He wants us to stand. Put on the whole armor of God. Let's start from verse 10. Verse 10, please. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Next verse, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Next verse, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. God wants us to stand, first to stand on his word and what he has said. He wants us to stand in who he has called us to be. So your first posture of standing is you're standing on what God has called you to be. You're standing on the victory that he has already given to you. He wants you to stand on his word. To the person who is saying, I am weak, God says, no, you are strong. I have called you strong. I want you to stand on that. You are not confused. You have the mind of Christ. I want you to stand on that. You are not sick, and dying. I have redeemed you. You are healed. You have the life of God on the inside of you. I want you to stand. Stand firm on my word stand firm on the promises that I have made to you. The Bible says Abraham staggered not. He didn't waver. He stood on that which God has spoken concerning him. Whatever the promise that God has given to you, whatever the lifting he says he's he's bringing into your life, I have come to tell you that God says stand because you will see the victory. Stand on it. You are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror. Stand on his word. You are not forsaken. You are favored. Stand on his word. So the second posture he wants us to assume in this season is a posture of standing. But before you stand, you must change your perspective. You must align your perspective with what God says, with what God is doing. We must refuse to bow. We must refuse to quit. We must stand our ground. Can we rise up as we pray? I want you to talk to God in a minute. And I want you to pray and ask God, Lord, whatever the mindset, whatever the wrong perception, the wrong perspective that I have that is hindering you, I want you to please expose it And help me to take it out. I want you to please expose it. And take it out of my life. I don't want to hinder you in this season. I want to see as you see. I want to see myself the way you see me. I want to see my circumstances the way you see me. I want to see myself the way you see me. Lord, whatever it is. Whatever the wrong thought pattern. Whatever the wrong perception that I have of myself or my situation. That has been hindering you. Lord, I pray that you help me. First of all, expose it. Because sometimes we don't even know what it is. Lord, by your light, expose it. Expose it.
0: We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at RCCGPPPSK, on Instagram and Twitter at RCCGPPP. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.